There's been plenty of discussion about the early season MVP, but is there a case to say Giannis, despite the efficiency being down, is having one of his better seasons so far? It's interesting. We're going to break that down. Uh, We also got an injury update, uh, not from Mike Budenholzer, but potentially from assistant coach Mike Dunlap. We is busy on Twitter. He's a great follow. We're going to talk about the injuries. And then I've got a question. We haven't spoken enough about Grayson Allen, Justin, so I'm going to ask you about Grayson Allen. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Pittman, you can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my other work over at ESPN alongside me from the Bucks Radio Network, in-game analyst, Justin Garcia, back for his first podcast uh, this week. We thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen. Uh, I say it every day, but YouTube is going absolutely off right now. We're, we're getting close to 5K subscriptions. We want to get way more than that. Ultimately, I want to be at 10K by the end of this NBA season. But first, we have to get to 5K. So if you haven't subscribed, make sure you do that. And then you'll also be alerted when we go to do live podcasts. We did one the other day. And that's where you can jump in the comments and have your questions up on the podcast. And uh, and we can roll through and have some fun with the live stuff. So we're going to be doing more of those. Got pretty good reviews, decent reviews. Uh, so we'll be doing more of those and getting everyone involved. But uh, if you're just on the old school audio platform, we appreciate you too. Don't worry about that. Uh, we also appreciate... Giannis, Justin, and look, we go through the MVP discussion pretty regularly throughout the season at different intervals, and uh, we're at the around the 20-game mark, so it's about quarter of the way through. Now, I've always argued that the early season MVP frontrunner rarely wins, but I think at this point it's fair to say Giannis is in the mix, but not widely discussed as someone that is at the top of the pile right now. Uh, is that a mistake? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I think he's probably in a pretty good spot right now for for what you just said of the person that comes out from the start. It usually isn't who ends up winning the MVP that you either run out of steam or the narrative shift and somebody else starts to pick up midway through the season. But Giannis has been kind of lurking there. I know... Um, was it, I think, Zach Lowe and Kevin uh, Arnovitz or Kevin Pelton just did their, I wish Kevin Arnovitz, Kevin Pelton just did their <laughs> top five uh, MVPs. And uh, Giannis was, I think, fifth and out of the mix for the two of them. So, wow. I, I mean, when you look at it, um, Luca and what he did for the first eight or so games of the season is obviously, and the fact that he's leading the league in scoring um, it's not hard to argue with that. It's not hard to argue with what Steph Curry has done, especially when you look at the struggles that the Warriors as a team have had outside of what Steph Curry is doing here. And uh, there's going to be a number of names that pop up throughout the, the course of the season. But Giannis, I think at this point, it's basically like Giannis and uh, Steph and probably Luka um, and Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. Like those names are going to be 
in that conversation in the top five throughout the course of the year. And then you're going to get your random, like, remember when we thought DeMar DeRozan was the MVP for a month or so? Like that is going to start to pop up throughout the course of the year. Maybe it's Kevin Durant right now uh, this year, especially what what he's done the last few games. Um, So I think he's in a good spot that it's probably kind of like the old team record analogy where you, you don't really want to win November and December and January. You don't want to peak then that you want to be the best team after the all-star break. So if Giannis can at least be in the conversation and, and fresh on people's minds, the second half is is where he has a really good chance, especially with the shift in the schedule for the Bucks to make a stronger case for it. Yeah, and no uh, no doubt about it that there isn't going to be a, a really eager push for Giannis for MVP because he's already got two. There is always going to be a desire to, let's push Luka Doncic, who hasn't won one before. Let's push Jason Tatum for sure. Uh, and Boston right now, obviously, a 17-4 and four in the standing. So best player on best team as it currently stands today. It's always going to be a talking point. So I do get that. Uh, I'm just curious with Giannis, if you just look at the guys that have been missing and we've discussed it on a daily basis on this podcast, all the injuries that they've had, the expectation or the load on Giannis is higher than it's ever been. And he is putting up 31 points per game, which would be a career high. He's still grabbing you 11 and a half rebounds, five and a half assists, a steal and a block per game as well. The usage at 39.5% is a career high and probably unsustainable. And the good thing is that you think that that will come down the longer the season goes, particularly when Chris Middleton comes back. The assist percentage is a career high at 31.4, and his turnovers have really stayed steady uh, in terms of turnover percentage, which is pretty impressive considering what they are asking him to do. And the other point is this Bucks team is no good without him. And that's that's the that is the reality. Now we've seen them have good stretches, different moments in different games, but overall uh, they're still plus eleven point two points per one hundred possessions. So dominant when he's on the floor. Without him, not so much. Would they be a little bit better with Chris? Maybe, uh, but I think that you can make a case that sure the efficiency has dropped a little, but I think it's reasonable to expect that when you're asking him to do all the things that you're asking him to do. Yeah, the uh, we'll round it up to 40% usage is way too high um, yeah. for Giannis. And it was, uh, what, I think one other year that he had 36 or 37 or higher, and that was prior to Drew Holiday joining the team. So um, I, I think it's a couple of things. One, Obviously, no Chris Middleton is is a big part of that. Um, but it, it's it's been more than that when we talked about it on the show before. Chris is the easiest one to point to because he's missed all year, but Pat Connaughton's missed, uh, what, 15 or 16 games now. And Drew's been out of the lineup for four or five games or so. Grayson Allen's been in and out of the lineup. So they. it seems like each time they get close to being healthy, something happens where you take another step backwards. So I think that's kind of the biggest part of it is, the long-term injuries that they've had to start the season, sure, but there's been a lot of these changes around him where Giannis and Brooke Lopez have basically been the only constants with this uh, this lineup and these groupings on the floor in terms of guys that you can really lean on offensively. And I think that is a big part of it. Um, for all of the talk that uh, had gone on the what uh, for a week or so about Giannis's slump, um, up until Friday night, I you can't not mention that when you say, well, look at the guys that are on the floor with him, and it's, it's not a knock on his teammates. 
but it's not what you were hoping to have or expected to have. And, and, you know, we've seen just the, some of these adjustments of, of getting more familiarity with some of these and knowing where guys are going to be. I mean, he has that built in chemistry with Chris and it's just changed so much, especially when you look at, I mean, even Javon Carter in the starting lineup, how that changes that it's a defensive lineup and it's not necessarily offensive. So I think these, these struggles and the, this slump that that has gotten a lot of attention prior to the Cavs and Mavs games are almost entirely because Giannis has had to take on this greater workload. And, you know, once he gets those guys back and around him, the numbers are going to start to drop, you would hope. Um, but his efficiency is going to rise. And that's the only thing that that really makes sense for some of these numbers when you look at the points created per shot attempt and a shooting percentage outside of the restricted area where I think he's never been below 60% on twos since Bud arrived and it was 55 or 56%. And it's just a lot of defenses looking at these groupings on the floor and, and saying, okay, it's just Giannis. So he's getting everything that we've got. And, you know, it also doesn't help that the Bucks as a, as a team have really struggled to shoot the ball for the first two months of the season. I mean, even against the Mavs, it was kind of pick your poison where we were joking about it during the game that Giannis was just dominating. And, and especially against the Cavs, when you thought there'd be more restriction against uh, their interior, but against the Mavs, you knew, well, he's going to be able to feast with, with no rim protection here. And despite Grayson Allen starting the game seven for seven, the Mavs were just straight up doubling Giannis and saying, you know what, if the Bucks are hitting threes, we'll live with it. But Giannis isn't going to do anything. Uh, that's exactly right. And I think if you look at some of the other players, the high, high, high usage guys that have been asked to do a lot, uh, obviously Doncic stands out. Uh, so does Nikola Jokic. So does Steph Curry. And if you're looking for other reasons to push Giannis, you say, okay, well, the Bucks have had all these injuries. A lot of it's left to Giannis. Look at their record and then compare it to those other three teams where their record is, is pretty mediocre and sort of hovering around that 500 mark. And yes, it's obviously very early, uh, but this is your quarter way MVP discussion. Then you look at Boston and even the on-off stuff with Boston, they're just really good whether or not Jason Tatum's on the floor. And you say, okay, that's very interesting. We know Boston are a deep team, um, but I think that the fact that a team could potentially completely fall apart without one one player on the floor, I think is the definition uh, of MVP. So either way, uh, as we said, the goal is to win a title. So hopefully by April, Giannis isn't being asked to do the same level of stuff that he's being asked to do now. Uh, but for that to be the case, they need a couple of other guys to return to the lineup. And assistant coach Mike Dunlap just sent Twitter into a craze today. And we're going to talk about that after I talk about our friend's at Turo, a uh, good sponsor of the podcast here. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want wherever you want it from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the US, UK, Canada, and Australia, which is good news because I'm thinking about driving to Adelaide in a couple of days' time to cover a game. Not locked in. I'll need to get a car. Maybe I can hit up Turo and they'll be able to uh, help me out there. So you can test drive. Uh, whatever you want. Uh, what about the new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits your everyday life? Uh, many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to your door. Every trip is backed by liability insurance terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars. Find your drive at Turo.com.
Also, don't forget to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. We thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen, but Locked On Sports can be your second listen from the games that matter to the most and biggest stories in sports. Go behind the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Mike Dunlap, uh, by the way, uh, speaking of uh, Australia, Mike Dunlap uh, coached in Australia back in the day. So he's also a uh, a man that is well-known in this part of the world. And I've got two tweets here. I'm not sure which is which. I'm just going to hit one, and that's going to determine where we go with this conversation. So here it is, the tweet from at Coach Mike Dunlap, very active on Twitter, just with thoughts, you know, post-game, whatever it may be. So this is the tweet. This is Bucks Mavs ball down. Both teams shoot three ball, and therefore no lead is safe. GA percolating at magic level. BL covering paint and rim. JH and JC smothering D. BP middle game as nasty as his post-up game. But then he adds in the notes and you're like, okay, that's a fair uh, description of the game there, coach. We appreciate that. And then he says, notes. PC coming back. Only played 10 minutes in this game. Uh, remember? And he says, KM is close. Chris Middleton close. Interesting. Uh, and he says, JI, Joe Ingles, Xmas surprise? does that mean and bucks fans our our secret weapon so that's a bit of a uh, hat tip to the bucks crowd which has been fantastic on this homestand uh, do you want to start with chris middleton or joe ingles because both i think caught the attention of bucks fans well um we don't know that he means chris when he says km or joe when he says ji so uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, i think bud is probably gonna have a word with him but uh remember, by the way remember when charles lee uh in the preseason said, yeah, we're going to defend the three-point yeah. line a little bit more. And then the next time, Bud's like, no, he's lying. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether at practice today or when these tweets came out if, you know, Eric or whoever it was specifically said, hey, Bud, uh, did you catch uh, Mike Dunlap's tweet today? Joe Ingles is good for Christmas, but yeah, you might be right. He might not love that. Well, they would be wise not to bring it up to Bud and just kind of, you know, hope he never sees that so we good continue point. to get some of these tweets. Um, I, I, would, I guess we'll start with the Chris one because that's, the one we anticipate is going to return prior to uh, anyone else. But I got to tell you, part of me is thinking, man, I didn't really envision um, Chris Middleton not making his way back to the floor prior to a handful of these guys that, that we've started to see um, coming back or nearing their comeback across the league here. So that's kind of the huh, like a few people have started to bring up, man, when are you when are you going to get worried about Chris Middleton? Um, and I've always kind of maintained, well, I, I never anticipated it would be in October. I thought it'd be sometime in November, but kind of joked, well, I mean, if we get to the end of November and there's no word, then I guess you can kind of raise an eyebrow. And now here we are at the end of November. I'm going to push and move the goalposts again and say, look, if it's mid-December and he's not back, then I'm officially raising the second eyebrow as well. But um, I think the frustrating part is there was never a timeline and um, I think there's probably, I know Bud, you get the sense, was kind of growing sick of answering the questions about Pat early in the season because they did put a timeline on his return. And it was two weeks after that timeline that he returned. And, and the, the closest we got to an answer was basically, we should have never said three weeks from the start. It was probably a little more than that. Um, with Chris, we just keep hearing, well, he's close. And before the game on Sunday, 
uh, Bud was asked again about Chris and his timeline, especially when we continue to see Chris Middleton assigned to the herd and practicing with the herd. And his answer was, there's no specific timeline, but we're getting closer. And even Bud kind of paused and added, I know that's vague and that's getting old, but he is getting close and, and all these reps he's getting with the herd are helpful. Um, so I, I would, I mean, you, you always get in trouble when you assume things with the Bucks and status of injuries. I'm guessing Chris is going to be back next week, maybe, oh. maybe, uh, maybe prior to that. But I mean, when there, where there's smoke, there's fire, and he keeps getting practice reps with the herd. Um, I certainly, if he is back prior to that, I would not anticipate him to play in both games this weekend. Uh, but maybe he'll be back late this weekend. But it just feels like next week for Chris. I tell you what, it would have been funnier if Mike Dunlap tweet, uh, tweeted, uh, KM back. Who knows? <laughs> Nobody knows when Chris is coming back. But look, I understand uh, why the fans get a little bit frustrated. But yeah, as I've pointed to, I think I would say that the Bucks medical staff in particular has built up enough trust to just say, okay, well, look, the team's 14 and 5. There are reasons why you want him back, including what we discussed in the first segment of this show, The obviously the, the toll that it's taken on Giannis. But if we remember back to, to a lot of years, Chris has been a bit of a slow starter into the season. Conditioning, it's a little bit strange that conditioning has been brought up so much from Bud because, as we said, it's a wrist injury. I don't know why that stopped him um, from running. But we see it sometimes with teams that year on year have success and the players and everyone talks about the toll of the 82 games plus 15 to 20 postseason games that you play. We know some of these seasons have been condensed over the last few years. So I just can't bring myself to be worried about the idea of Chris Middleton saying, hey, you want to miss the first month and a half of the season? I know this isn't what we expected. And just for me, for my own selfish enjoyment of watching this basketball team play, I want to see Chris Middleton back out and on the floor. But I think overall, it's not a bad thing. Take, take your time. The team's winning. This is a long season. That's, I mean, that's a big thing is um, they're, they're doing more than fine without him. I mean, obviously, for, the biggest thing is what we said about Giannis at the top of the show, that I, I I want Chris back just for that purpose alone. So it's not Giannis taking on as heavy of a workload as he is, um, but you're, you're winning without Chris Middleton. So it, it would probably be somewhat of a different conversation if, um, you know, instead of where the Bucks currently are, at 14 and five, let's say the Bucks were what 10 and nine or 11 and eight, then maybe you'd say, Oh, what's going on there? But even then, it's easier to point to, Well, Chris hasn't played, so that's a that's a big reason for that. Um, the, like the baffling, it's not even baffling. The, the strange thing to me is coming into the season, um, would you have guessed that Chris Middleton and, and neither has returned yet, but it seems like one is definitely going to be back in a couple of days. Would you have guessed Chris Middleton or TJ Warren would take the floor first for their team? Well, speaking of injuries, we know absolutely nothing about. I, I think the big thing has just been that the early reporting suggested, yeah, he might miss the first couple of weeks of the season. It just seemed like it was a lot more optimistic than uh, than than what it's it's proven to be. That's all. And and that's I think the where a lot of the frustration internally is too with, you know, and, and Bud said some of this himself, but um, it was going back to media day. It was a couple weeks was, was 
I believe, the exact verbiage that we started to hear from the start. So you couple that with the, well, you think Pat Connaughton's going to be back on this date, and then you hit the dates, and he's not here, and he's uh, upgraded from questionable to probable and then downgraded to out, that all of these things, I think, have kind of combined to just add to all of this frustration with Bucks fans that are saying, okay, when is he going to play already? Well, I tell you what, uh, one thing that would get me very excited is uh, Joe Ingles back on Christmas, although I would say maybe calm down a little bit on that one. Again, based on the fact the Bucks have been pretty cautious with various injuries over the last couple of seasons. I know when Joe was back in Australia and we were doing a broadcast out here, he said, yeah, yeah mid-December, hoping for. Uh, uh, John Horst has been a little more, uh, I would say, uh, careful with that and said, yeah, maybe in the new year, maybe in January. So... I would be surprised if Joe Ingles was back by Christmas, but I would also be delighted if he is. So I guess we'll wait and see what happens there with Joe. But that wasn't the only tweet that Mark Dunlap had uh, yesterday. He tweeted something about Grayson Allen, which I just think is an interesting thought. Uh, and I, I, th- I think we should we should expand on his thoughts on uh, Grayson Allen a little bit here. After we talk about LinkedIn jobs, uh, there has been plenty of Bucks players that have... Uh, found their way into different roles over the last couple of weeks due to uh, the injuries that the Bucks have had. But uh, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Uh, there's plenty of different tools you can use as well. There's screening questions, which makes it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience, so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. So LinkedIn Jobs helps you find those qualified candidates faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, what else have we got here from Coach Dunlap? On the old uh, Twitter machine. I'm telling you, you've got to give this man a follow. Here we go. And as, as Additionally, a special note. So the special note was the injury. And this is a special, special note from Bucks and Mavs. Grayson Allen, the best shooter on the floor last night. His ability to shoot and break defenders down off hard closeouts makes him a tough guard for opponents. Now, you might sit back and say, well, okay, that's not the most groundbreaking information I've ever seen in my life. But it's interesting that he says he was the best shooter on the floor because I was thinking about this as I was watching this game yesterday. And clearly, these are the types of thoughts you have when there's a player out there that's seven for seven and going absolutely ballistic. But for all the Bucks players on this roster, and we've spoken about the shooting a lot, who are the guys that when they shoot the ball, you expect that it's going to go down? So Brook Lopez this year has been at 41%. That's well above where he's been any other year. He's been absolutely sensational. But Drew's in the low 30s. Jordan Wara, even the the scorer, his percentages are down there. George Hill hasn't quite found the range. And I think you still make the case that Chris Milton's the best shooter on the team because of the degree of difficulty and probably the coverage he gets as an overall scorer. But I, I do expect when Grayson Allen shoots the ball that it's going down. Like he is a shooter. He is one player that you describe as, a, as an out-and-out shooter. I don't think the Bucs have another one of those plays. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you see it, 
written um, that Grayson Allen was the best shooter on the floor, maybe initially. You're like, really? But it's it's not even close when you look at the players on the floor for the Mavs. And the Mavs have struggled just as much as the Bucks early in the season in shooting. But um, Grayson's up there. And even Eric asked Giannis after the game, is, is Grayson the best shooter? I mean, I know we've asked you this of a handful of guys through the years. but Did he ask about Bryn Forbes? Who else has well, he asked? So Maybe. Giannis specifically mentioned, yeah. So Giannis yeah. mentioned Bryn Forbes. Giannis's answer was Pat Connaughton is the best shooter. My guy, Pat, I have to go with, he said the best shooter that he's played with, but he mentioned basically everybody that's ever worn a Bucks uniform. Uh, he mentioned Bryn. He mentioned Pat. He mentioned Chris. He mentioned Mirza Toledovich. He mentioned Jet. Uh, Miritich. He mentioned uh, Kyle Korver, who did not shoot the ball well his time in Milwaukee. Yeah. So Giannis basically thought of everybody that he's played with and named them. Um, but Grayson Allen certainly has the pedigree to be the best shooter that this team has. And on, Oftentimes he should be the best shooter on the floor. When you look at his ability, um, the big thing with him is, you know, you you ran through some of the other names on the team and and who takes a shot that you expect to go in this year. It's basically Grayson, and even then he struggled earlier in the year. But it's it's basically him and and Brooke at this point. Bobby hasn't still really found the the shooting stroke that he had a year ago, especially from his main spots. Uh, George Hill's been better, but not shooting the three. And it just seems like everybody that the Bucks have kind of leaned on, shot just hasn't been there yet. Pat Connaughton, it's it's tough to really pull from that when he's played so little games so far. Uh, but Grayson should be the best shooter on the floor most of the time. And what really we've noticed on the broadcast, and I was talking about this with Dave uh, just last night again, his shooting is one thing because of, of how it can shift things, and especially when he's on the floor with Giannis. But – because of the absence of Chris Middleton and the injuries that the Bucks have dealt with, they've asked him to take on more offensively in terms of creating and finishing at the rim and getting his teammates involved. And that's where he's really made a notable, noticeable impact this year. And I think gotten much better when you look at him putting the ball on the floor and attacking. A lot of times you feel like you want him to be more aggressive because he's penetrating and, and kicking when he's shown ability to be a much better finisher around the basket, that that's where it's really noticeable. And that's what's going to help him even more so than just being a catch and shoot guy. Yeah. I don't think that he tries to do too much as well. Sometimes on, on those drives to the basket, he might get caught in a little bit of traffic. I mean, he's not an elite finisher at the rim, but no. you know, he's up at around in the mid sixties and, and like, that's not yeah. bad. And I'll, I'll say this too. I, I agree that sometimes I'm not going to say it's it, it's not like there's no plan, but sometimes it's like, oh, I got to go to plan B and you get caught in traffic of everybody on the team. He seems to be the guy most able to get out of that. And it doesn't result in turnover when you leave your feet and you're passing the ball. Like he seems to have the most success. Granted, you don't want, you don't want to make a living on that, but he seems to be the guy that gets out of that jam more often than not. Uh, if there was one thing I would say, uh, he almost looked like he was going to throw one down yesterday, and Bobby Portis, was, I think, was telling him, dunk the ball, don't lay it in. That's the only thing I would say with Grayson. Like he can, he, He's an athlete. There are opportunities where maybe he might go for the reverse or a little finger roll, and you're like, let's just take a body. I'm looking for a Grayson Allen poster this season. That's what I'm hanging out for. Uh, but I just thought it was worth mentioning uh, it's yes i am pushing a narrative that i believe in that it would be risky business for the bucks to trade away uh, their best shooter on the team with questionable shooters but 
that's uh, Coach tweeting about Grayson Allen and the impact he had on the floor. All right, as we wrap this up, how's the analyst role going? <laughs> I, I have to say we we had a couple of comments on the YouTube uh, praising uh, the work you've been doing. How are you enjoying it? Oh, wow. I'm surprised it's not, man. Why is there more of this guy? We get Garcia off. Not only do I have to listen to Garcia on Locked On Bucks, I'm trying to listen to the radio, and now I've got him on there. Uh, I mean, it's going so far so good. They still haven't told me to stop doing it. So uh, until that day comes, then uh, it's going to be a different conversation. But uh, so far so good. And I mean, you know, as as you know, um, and, and most people that, that do this know um, it, it's been like people have asked me not to make this entirely about me, but like, how much has this changed? You know what you're doing. And I think the big thing, it's not just with this, it's with everything you do is, so this is my eighth year on the broadcast for the last uh, six or so years when I really started to get more comfortable in and have more of my bearings on those broadcasts. I've really done preparation as if you know something's going to happen to uh, my 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 counterparts on those broadcasts and well what if something happens what if their car breaks down and they can't make it or uh, what if they're not there so for five or six years I've been doing the prep work each game of watching the previous games for the opponent and digging into their notes and just being more familiar with them in case something would happen and you'd have to be in that role so like actually doing this and knowing going into the game, it really hasn't been that much of a change because you just, you know, it's it's like you hear every coach say with a bench players of, you know, be ready when you're called upon. And that's what I've tried to do for the last few years. Uh, you're a true professional. And I understand that because I uh, spend about 10 hours a day preparing for our locked on box. So and I'm sure everyone will absolutely believe that. Uh, thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every day, though. As I said, can I before you wrap up? Can I give one quick PSA? Because I see this a lot, oh boy. and it's just—it's not even like a complaint. It's just I don't want people to have their hopes crushed. Okay. I continue to see people that are referencing. I think it's the NBA app for injuries, yes. and they are wildly inaccurate and not reliable where people keep pointing out like, Oh, it says this player is a game time decision. Don't use the, like if you're looking at the injuries, only look at the injury report that teams submit. Well, that, that is just solid advice. And more solid advice for me is to subscribe to locked on bucks. Uh, wherever on the audio platform, I'm obviously pushing YouTube because we're able to do some more interactive stuff there. So uh, make sure you do that and uh, listen to the Locked On Sports Today podcast after you're done with this podcast today as well. We would appreciate that. Uh, Justin, you're a star and uh, you, you, you're a professional talker. There's no doubt about that. And uh, it's always good to hang out with you. I'm sure we'll do it again. Still another day off before the Bucks play the Knicks. Uh, I understand the guys need a rest, but when they have two days off, I don't know what to do with myself. But we're going to podcast tomorrow. Potentially Camille. She's a bit under the weather. Hopefully she's feeling better. Um, if she is, we'll podcast. If not, maybe I'll do a live podcast. We'll figure it out. I'll work it out on the fly. But either way, catch you guys tomorrow.